The Public News Service Daily Newscast, April the 14th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. We start off in Wisconsin, where after a lower court held, they were a valid way to cast a vote. The state Supreme Court there Wednesday considered whether or not absentee ballot drop boxes are permitted under state law. The lower court's January opinion held that the boxes, although previously permitted by the bipartisan Wisconsin Elections Commission, weren't specifically authorized by the legislature and therefore aren't a valid method to cast a ballot. Attorney Stephen Kilpatrick, appearing before the justices on behalf of the Elections Commission, argued state law gives clerks leeway when administering elections. Therefore, there's giving discretion to the municipal clerk to set up these secure drop boxes as a way for absentee voters to return their ballot. The high court's decision will determine whether drop boxes can be used in future elections, including this year's upcoming fall races, where two pivotal lawmakers, Democratic Governor Tony Evers and Republican Senator Ron Johnson, will be up for re-election. While it barred them at most locations, the lower court's ruling permitted drop boxes at clerk's offices and in other specific scenarios. This is Jonah Chester reporting. The lower court's order barring drop boxes has previously been both upheld and blocked by the state Supreme Court. In both cases, they did not rule under the underlying legal validity of the boxes. And with the June 7th midterm primary election less than two months away, clean election groups are working to clear up misconceptions and recruit some nonpartisan poll monitors to make sure that things go smoothly. During the pandemic, the state started sending mail-in ballots to every registered voter, and last fall, the legislature made that permanent. But Alessandro Lozano with California Common Cause says a lot of voters mistakenly think we've done away with in-person voting. We've been encountering a lot of folks who think that we are exclusively a vote-by-mail state now because of the passage of AB 37, and we're reminding people that they have multiple options, whether it's by mail or in person. I'm Suzanne Potter. Six years ago, state lawmakers passed the Voters' Choice Act, which allowed counties to expand early voting and set up local vote centers with the option to reduce the number of neighborhood polling places. And Frank R. James, who law enforcement officials say perpetrated the worst attack on New York's subway system in years, was taken into custody Wednesday. That was about 24 hours into an expansive search that began after at least 10 people were shot at a Brooklyn subway station. That from the New York Times. James was apprehended thanks to a tip that came in from a McDonald's near 6th Street and 1st Avenue in Manhattan. It appeared that Mr. James had called the police tip line on himself. This is PNS. Kentucky lawmakers considering a bill that would expand eligibility for unemployment benefits to victims of domestic violence. House Bill 83 would require claimants to provide documentation such as police records, court records, or sworn statements by shelter workers, clergy, or medical professionals. Supporters of the bill say expanding eligibility will keep more families safe. Bill sponsor and Democratic Louisville Representative Nima Kolkarni says the bill is a good policy for investing in the state's workforce for individuals that are in urgent and desperate situations. I think it's important that people recognize that because there's a lot of stigma and a lot of silence around the issue of interpersonal violence, that we don't, as policymakers, always 
focus on or take into consideration the needs of those individuals experiencing this. According to data from the National Institutes of Health, domestic violence offenses lead to the deaths of around 40 Kentuckians a year. The bill sits with the Kentucky Senate for final action today, the last day of the legislative session. Nadia Romlagon reporting. Meantime, Michigan cities, among those working to curb the devastating impacts of climate change by reducing their carbon footprints and expanding resiliency and mitigation efforts. The most recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report focused on the ways the world can reduce emissions today. The authors have pointed to the Race to Zero initiative, an effort of more than a 1,000 cities around the world to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 at the latest. Ann Arbor is one of them, and Mayor Chris Taylor says the city is committed to achieving community-wide carbon neutrality by 2030. We know that that we in Ann Arbor are not going to solve the climate crisis, but we know that we, in alliance with so many other jurisdictions throughout the state, country, and world, that we all have to do our part because none of us will be unaffected. Taylor says strategies range from deploying solar energy to building out electric vehicles and city fleets and improving pedestrian and cycling safety. I'm Lee Bolke reporting. Finally, our Emily Scott tells us in Pennsylvania, April is one of the months with the highest risks of wildfires. 99% of all wildfires in the Keystone State are caused by people. Mike Kern of the State Department of Conservation and Natural Resources says spring and autumn months often produce drier conditions with low relative humidity. He says we still have some time to go until we have full green leaf cover throughout the state. That allows the dormant vegetation, we call the fuels, to dry out faster. They're more exposed to sunlight and wind. And with, you know, a little bit of breeze that can allow the fuels to burn more easily, essentially. Thousands of acres of state woodlands are burned by wildfires each year. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service, member and listener supported, heard on interesting radio stations, your favorite podcast platform, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.